0: In response to how most educators are delivering instruction right now, I'm hosting a special series of UDL in 15 Minutes episodes where I'll interview educators about their use of UDL to design online learning experiences. If you want to share your experiences, contact me via my website, theudlapproach.com. Hello and welcome to UDL in 15 Minutes, where educators discuss their experiences with UDL. I'm Louie Lord Nelson, UDL author and leader. Today, I'm talking with Lizzie Davis, who's a learning support teacher at the King's School Tutor House in Mossvale, New South Wales, Australia. Today, Lizzie is going to share how she and her colleagues used UDL to investigate the barriers they anticipated as they moved to online teaching. Hi, Lizzie. How are you? Hi, Nui, I'm fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> it's so great to talk to you. So uh, first off,
1: please tell us about your teaching background. Sure. I started teaching a little over 20 years ago. I've taught internationally and locally in government systems and uh, the Catholic education system and now in independent schools. I had a little break from teaching some years ago to uh, study another area of great interest of mine, which was architecture, and that's relevant to my UDL journey because it was during this course that I learned about universal design and how designing for equity makes built environment accessible for all people. So years later, just a few years ago, when I came across UDL Universal Design for Learning, it made perfect sense what the goal and the value of what it stands for in terms of equity was all about. So very much have embraced that in my teaching.
0: I think that's such a great story because the cast history, of course, is that they themselves, David Rose and Ann Meyer and that whole group, when they were looking to identify and name what they were doing, and then they found out about Ron Mace and his work with Universal Design, they were like, you know, this, this is it. And then that's what led them to name it universal design for learning. And I just think it's so cool that that was your experience out in the field. Very much so. (laughs) A strong synchronicity there. Absolutely. So can you share some information about the King's School Tudor House in
1: Mossvale? Sure. It's a really beautiful school, small in terms of student population, but uh, huge in terms of our beautiful setting. It's on 165 acres on the outskirts of our little town, which is about an hour and a half south of Sydney. We're a pre-kindergarten to year six school and quite unique because we're one of only a small number of primary, which would be your elementary, boarding schools in Australia. So the school has a really strong focus on a well-rounded education. So in addition to the academic pursuits, we've got lots of specialist lessons like woodwork, outdoor education, art, music, a paddock to plate program, STEAM programs, etc. And we're an international baccalaureate candidate school for the primary years program as well. Wonderful. So about how many students are there? Around 160 at our campus. Our school is part of the King's School, which has two campuses in Sydney, a senior school and a preparatory school in Parramatta in Sydney as well. And there's about, oh, I think probably close to 2,000 students across the whole entire school. Mm. And then at your school, you're
0: the learning support teacher. Are you the one learning support teacher? And then you work with all the students with disabilities across the 160?
1: That's right. Yes, exactly. And a small team of teachers aides to support our learning support team as well. Okay.
0: And so then do you meet with all of the general ed teachers? Do you do Any kind of co-teaching or is it more of support and then students come to you? uh,
1: There's a real combination, Louie, using a three-tier intervention system. So we try to get lots happening at the broad level, which is where our focus on UDL came in. And so working with class teachers at that level and also we collaborate together for what we call our individual plans And then I also run some small groups, and we do do some one-to-one support work as well. All right, perfect. Thank you for giving us all that context.
0: That's great. (laughs) So I've got a big question to kick this off. So your enthusiasm for UDL is, it's really clear. (laughs) But you also shared that the staff of the King's School Tutor House, they've also embraced UDL. And what do you think, smoothed the way for that acceptance and the appreciation
1: for the framework? That's a great question, because I think whenever something big gets introduced into a school, there can be a lot of resistance from people who think, oh, here comes another layer of work, and we're already working, working very, very hard. So I think part of it is that our staff have an openness to learning, very much committed to continuous improvement, I also think that because we're an International Baccalaureate Candidate School, we already had a culture of professional learning to support us to move towards our authorisation for the PYP. And it was actually at a PYP course on inclusion that I attended that I came across UDL because unlike where you live, in Australia, UDL doesn't enjoy the widespread implementation in schools. It's a bit different in universities, but in schools that it does elsewhere.
0: Yeah. International baccalaureate, I don't know that a lot of people realize, but they want people to implement UDL. They want that combination to occur. And so they have that within their materials and it's it's yeah, it's a yes. lovely marriage. It really is and it helps to emphasize to people that this quality rigorous education is bolstered and is supported and is intertwined with universal design for learning.
1: Yes, it does. And so I think because the staff were so open to our professional learning in that area that it all just became a part of this bigger picture that we had. That's lovely. That really
0: is. So when you knew as a school that you were going to move into an online environment and that you needed to think about those barriers that your learners would face, what were some of the barriers that you all talked about? And how did you communicate those to one another in a way that impacted your planning? Meaning- and I mean, it was just in face-to-face meetings, did you have time to prepare for that,
1: or did you just kind of have to do things on the fly? Yeah, great question. We did move very, very quickly. We had one day where we could foresee what may happen. So we had one designated day where we were told, okay, no face-to-face teaching in the way that we normally would. You'll be with your classes, but it's to practice online learning. And really, it was a day about sorting out login issues and very, very basic things. There was no great actual learning that day in terms of our knowledge and skills, but a huge learning curve in terms of getting ourselves ready for online learning. So that's how quickly it was implemented. And in terms of the question where you asked about thinking about the barriers to learning that our students would face. I think when we're in the school environment, in the classroom, although the students bring so much variability in their learning, Also, by being in the classroom, I think it cuts out a lot of other variability that could occur. For example, all the students have the same access to devices, to concrete materials, to all the learning options that are available. Whereas as soon as we realised that we were moving to online learning, there were a whole lot of barriers that being out of the school grounds raised, especially when considering that in the boarding school we have students who live rurally so Reliable internet is a factor. We have students who come from international backgrounds and so either they were heading home to be back in their home country or staying with guardians locally. And so that kind of raised concerns about, you know, those areas of engagement in the UDL framework. How do we optimise relevance and authenticity for them? How do we maintain a sense of collaboration and community? And also, how do we just get people to access their devices when, you know, some families have four or five children who would all need them? So they were the sort of barriers that we were facing. And I think by having a UDL mindset, we were able to think, OK, what are some of these barriers and how can we prepare and plan for those
0: Nice. Can you give us some examples of how you did prepare, plan for, and then now that you're
1: into it, how are you supporting those learners in that way? Mm, Definitely considering the engagement part, there's been a really strong focus on communication and that sense of community so we've found a balance or are still working on getting that balance between having people having to log in at a certain time which might you know be affected by time zones or by internet access but where people can see each other face to face you know via zoom or google hangouts and things like that so they can see their teachers and see that that smile and see their passion and interest for the students that the teachers have and so the students can see each other and have some time for that socialisation as well. So that is one way. In terms of accessibility to devices, we took an inventory of people. People were able to put in requests to access certain devices if they didn't have enough at home. So that was one way we managed that we have had to adjust some of our learning. I think at, at the start, we felt that we could replicate <laughs> a school day at home. And of course, it's so much of a different situation online. And so we learned very quickly that greater flexibility is required in terms of the rate of timing and speed of doing activities. And we had to adjust, I guess, in terms of how the students, for their action and expression, how they could make it authentic for their environment. So I guess we've morphed a little into more open-ended activities that can be achieved in any of the students' environments where they are. Nice. I love the conversation about the
0: authenticity and helping the students find that in the environment
1: where they are, one of our children is in Hong Kong in a high-rise apartment. Others are out in, you know, outback Australia on, on vast expanses of land. So for, for them to be able to share, you know, their experiences of this time as well, I think it's been really important for all aspects, you know, in terms of the UDL framework in thinking how we can engage those students and how they can act and express their learning. Yeah, So right here at the end, could you talk
0: about how UDL is influencing the steps that your staff are taking to move back into the face-to-face environment? Because it sounds like you all are going to move there a little earlier in the calendar than we are here in at least where I am
1: in the U.S., Yes, I definitely think so. Our government is keen for schools to be open and functioning very quickly. So we're in the planning stages of implementing that incrementally over the next few weeks. Um, So it's actually the start of our term right now. So we had professional learning meetings today to kick off the term and the conversation was very much around understanding that these um, students have had very diverse experiences and it's been a very challenging time as it has for students everywhere. And so very much the focus for our initial first half of the term really is looking at that engagement aspect and really, really focusing in on re-establishing ourselves as a community, welcoming students back, In the framework, looking at sustaining an effort and persistence. So, really looking at that collaboration and community aspects before we move on to any major learning. We're also recognising that it's going to be a really mixed bag. There'll be some parents who choose to keep their students at home, which, of course, we support as well, as well as having students who need to come back to school. So very much planning for multiple modes of teaching for the first half of the term, some online work with certain staff and then maintaining some face-to-face teaching as well.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. To be in the boarding school setting. And like you said, some students coming back, some students not, and depending on parent desire and their home schedules. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oh.
1: definitely.
0: Well, I really appreciate this. Thank you so much, Liz. You've given us a great story of how you all are using UDL and thinking about the design of the education through UDL. And then I love the the story that you shared about how you came into Universal Design for Learning. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, It's a pleasure. Thank you, Louie. You're welcome. So for those listening to this podcast, you can find supplemental materials like an image montage with closed captioning, that montage with audio descriptions, a transcript, and an associated blog at my website, which is theudlapproach.com forward slash media. And finally... If you have a story to share about UDL implementation for UDL in 15 minutes, contact me through the UDLApproach.com. And thanks to everyone for your work in revolutionizing education through UDL and making it our goal to develop expert learners.